Something hot to start this off with. I don't know. Okay. I mean, I don't think it's gonna cut this out for the um, I love when you start a sentence with that. Uh, but <laughs> I was thinking about this one a lot today. Um, it's Frank Gashlin, and he's uh, knee deep in pussy. <laughs> you know what? I think that was just Frank Frank Tashlin. I, I think, think that, that is just that was Frank just Tashlin. Did he get a lot of pussy? Was, I, don't I mean. Know. Judging from just this and Will Success spoil Rock Hunter, you have to think the guy had some sex in his day. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, he's he's at least horny. Yeah. So he's willing. You hear <laughs> and, that, ladies? Uh, for, a, for a nice PG-13 punch-up, how about Frank Tushlin? He's, get, <laughs> okay. he's getting okay. tush. <laughs> or he's English. I, well, no. ZZ Top weren't English. <laughs> weren't English? aren't English. <laughs> I don't know why I, I felt compelled there. It just is easy. To, uh, are you sure ZZ Top aren't English? No, they're from fucking Texas. I, you know, I look. Oh, actually, if I'm wrong about that, I'm going to be fucked. I I'm don't pretty think, sure ZZ I'm, Top's yeah, from Texas, Yeah, there's no though. way. Yeah, there's because there's a King of the Hill episode where the ZZ Top yeah. guys are related to Hank Hill, so they have to be from Texas. I saw a, uh, like a, a TV, a televised concert when I was younger uh, of ZZ Top. There used to be this channel on Deep Cable that was just like, you know, the HD revolution was on. And everyone was just finding excuses to shoot things in HD, uh, HD content. Kind of like how 4K is now a little yeah. bit. But I feel like it was even a bigger deal back then. But there was this one channel dedicated to HD concert films. Like, uh, and they're not even really concert films. A lot of them were, you know they shot the concert and they broadcast it on that channel. It wasn't, yeah. you know, that much more, but I remember watching a ZZ top one where the stage design kind of like those old school stand up comedy ones were like really goofy thematic stage design. Yeah. Uh, there was one where they were like on a bus stop in Texas. I think <laughs> like that was like the, the backdrop for like them performing and also bus ZZ stop. top kind of a minimal band, just like three dudes with big beards, uh, you know, it's uh, it's a strange sight to behold as a youngster. No, yeah, the and even as a grown man, bus stop. All these theatrics and their performance kind of sounds very like you know, kind of like British school of classical acting to <laughs> okay. me or something. Kind of like a Monty Python skit. Yeah, yeah, like a an impression of a, what a, a Southern Texan would be, be like. I'm always hanging by the bu bus stop or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Um, it's the after hours of extended clip and we're not going to talk much more about televised concerts, ZZ top, or just disgusting words for the female anatomy. <laughs> I think it's actually kind of beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I like it. I don't think any word for the female anatomy is ugly personally. Get your minds out of the gutters. <laughs> the geisha boy is the topic of the After Hours episode. This is a film by Frank Tashlin from 1958, starring and produced by the one, the only, you know him, you love him, Jerry Lewis. JT, you brought the Geisha Boy to the After Hours feed. Why did you pick out this movie, strap us to our chairs, and force us to watch it? Well, I've been going through uh, Jerry, Lew Jerry Lewis movies, um, in order, he's one where I uh, was curious to see like the evolution of the artist, and 
I figured, I mean, I did some research beforehand and I was like, okay, Tashlin seems to be the director that Lewis worked with uh, the most who had like an influence on his like later style. I mean, you guys will have to fill, help me fill in the gaps in knowledge there because, of course, I haven't seen a directorial effort uh, by Lewis. But this is the last, or, I mean, not last one, but it's um, the last Tashlin-Lewis collab before Lewis's first movie, The Bellboy. And then they like have, I think, a few movies after Jerry starts directing his own work. But there are like two Martin and Lewis movies they did together and uh, Rockabye Baby before this. Yeah, and I think the other director to look at would be, I, I believe his name is Norman Torig. I don't yeah, know, I, I've uh, seen... I, I don't like, have the IMDb in front of me for that, but he's another one of the big Jerry directors who he cites as, you know, if you don't know, Jerry Lewis, you know, ascended to the position of filmmaker and the total filmmaker at that <laughs> after being a comedic superstar uh simply by watching and learning on set he he would just watch everything that would go on and learn how to make films from the great filmmakers of the studio era of classic hollywood and uh yeah as you say jt tashlin is perhaps the great influence on his directorial style yeah and like you know thinking of you know tashlin and you said like maybe his influence on his later movies. I feel like like there's plenty of gags, but there's a lot of like non-gag moments in between mm-hmm. or a lot of just kind of kind of dry humor stuff that like I kind of associate with his later work at times. Kind of just uh I feel like this movie is really good at letting Jerry's like like idiosyncratic kind of like comedic skills kind of come through. Just kind of like a lot of Instead of kind of going for like the zany Lewis mode, this is just kind of like a lot of off kilter Lewis. Lewis is saying a lot of awkward and weird stuff, and it's it's very funny. Well, because it's not strictly a gag driven movie, it it, it does have you know uh, a dramatic narrative to it, and yeah, it's shot in Technicolor Vista Vision in the fifties with all these like gelled lights and uh, all these amazing colors. And yeah, it kind of feels like a fifties melodrama at times, just, you know, obviously not played as self-serious as the great melodramas in Technicolor of the time that we've talked about on this podcast, like from Douglas Sirk, but it's like just enough of that kind of uh, something in the air of the fifties Technicolor melodramas to call to mind Douglas Sirk movies and, you know, other dramas of the period where actors could be as dramatically expressive as Jerry Lewis is comedically expressive. And yeah, as you said, a lot of times he is kind of just like saying weird things in this. And there's some more, uh, there's some physical humor in this. That's also pretty subtle. But it's also a Jerry Lewis movie, and you get a lot of incredibly broad gags and him screaming and making faces. And that juxtaposed with, yeah, the way the film is designed on an emotional aesthetic level, uh, emotional and aesthetic level, really presents something like unique in the Jerry Lewis filmography from what I've seen, at least. And for being something called the Geisha Boy as well, I was <laughs> expecting something a lot more racist like oh yeah wait till you get to the ones he directed (laughs) (laughs) there are a couple jerry lewis directorial efforts uh two specifically that i can think of where he does don the uh 
the taped back eyes and the big teeth and uh, basically does what you think the geisha boy is going to be. In Rockabye Baby, there's like a little... He does that too, yeah. Yeah, there's a little bit where he's like being someone on TV and he's like cycling through bits and of course one of them is extremely racist. Yeah. I thought he was going to be the geisha boy in the movie, so I, I, I was kind of relieved figure that you know that wasn't the case i thought that, like i thought this movie was he was going to be in costume for like a long period like he yeah. has to go undercover somewhere or something like well that, that would be yeah. yeah in the big mouth he has to do that. Yeah. that that's a really funny one where he's hiding from the mob throughout the movie uh and he uh i'm trying to think of like the plot of the big mouth is so stupid who cares but there's like <laughs> 20 minutes <laughs> where jerry lewis's character uh is in yellow face, I believe, playing like an ancient wizard of sorts. And it's very rough. But then a couple movies later and hardly working, he dons the yellow face once again. But I, th- I think this time it's a lot more uh, pointed, almost like it's really sad. It's when he's, you know, he's out of work, like in this movie, he's an out of work clown. Uh, yeah. If this movie is an out of work magician, but in hardly working an out of work clown who can't get anything done so he's uh taking on this embarrassing job working at like a benihana type restaurant and of course does the yellow face to match it. <laughs> yeah you know you mentioning that like him this character here being a uh, you know uh, an out-of-work magician like a lot of these you know the lewis and tashlin collabs and even lewis's own directorial efforts i feel like he's always taken he's mr outsider mm-hmm. on the outside looking in. he's always playing characters who are like I want to become successful. I want to become, you know, part of an industry. And it's just, uh, even if the movies aren't explicitly about, you know, that struggle of like, I don't know, trying to come up or something, it's always like influencing the movie and the, you know, the characters, you know, zany decisions or in this case, like you said, yeah, there is like a, a good amount of, you know, seriously considered melodrama in it. Cause like, the way this movie begins is like <laughs> like 25 minutes of just Jerry Lewis on the plane. Yeah. Kind of, uh, you know. <laughs> hijinks. Hijinks with the rabbit. But like, and it's also, it's like kind of drawn out in a long way too, to where it's like, I don't know, like just like a lot of moments of just like Jerry crawling in the, in the airplane, uh, like hallway or whatever, like just looking for the rabbit. The and aisle, like just yeah. Silent aisle. Yeah. Just very silent. I don't know. There's like, I think, I guess when I was mentioned kind of like awkward and kind of like silent and dry humor, there's a lot of that in this first period. And it's just, it's an interesting uh, way. It's like kind of structures the movie as like the rest is kind of, you know, set in Japan. For yeah, the on that plane ride, there's what feels like an eight-minute conversation <laughs> with Suzanne Plachette as the, uh, like, corporal, I think, uh, or major, I already forget, who's yeah. kind of in charge of wrangling the talent for this. And by the way, we haven't talked about what this movie's about whatsoever. Uh, Jerry Lewis is hired to go on a USO tour. For those who don't know, USO, that was like the organization of... Uh, supporting the troops with entertainment where uh, famous actors uh, musicians etc would go entertain the troops so Jerry uh, is on board a plane there's a movie star on the plane too uh, but he has his romance with this uh, you know military woman who has you know wrangled together this group of uh, entertainers and I I thought that that was going to be like the romantic thread of the movie 
and she gets dropped pretty quickly like right when he gets to japan and meets the japanese woman who takes care of the boy and it's funny because she has the same reaction that i'm sure a lot of audience members would have had like what happened to me (laughs) the their relationship only exists in the first act of the movie almost seemingly like uh like a rewrite took place or something like that but i really do love the commitment to uh their scenes together early on i think they have a really great chemistry and it's also uh suzanne plachette's first movie uh appearance no yeah i also like uh kind of you know afterwards as she's a little bit you know out out of the picture towards like the back two-thirds of the movie and like he he meets her on like an airplane field and you know she's like oh why why do you men always go for those oriental girls and like jerry just kind of dumbfounded it's like why are you so mad or so like he just like that's like a there's a few moments like that where it's just like jerry has a response where it just doesn't quite make sense in the context it does make sense but it's just like a weird response and it's just i don't know it's just just these moments that i really appreciate jerry's craft it makes me think like i guess he's he's definitely doing some some improv style stuff on on these like 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 when um when the whole incident with like the blow up boat on the plane making like the major go into you know the celebrity woman's uh, uh bedroom or whatever yeah straight out of <laughs> grown-ups to kevin james's inflatable raft gag uh, or nick swords in first and then kevin james inflatable raft gag uh, jerry lewis kind of does that with that emergency landing uh inflatable thing uh, when he is first caught looking like he is uh, uh, inappropriately touching a sleeping movie star. Yeah, little Eskimo kisses, little nose rubs. But it's just like, I forgot which what causes, but he, just little, he makes like a weird noise, like nervous noise. And you're yeah. like, what the fuck is that? Like, that's definitely like the equivalent of like an ad lib or something like that. But, it, mm-hmm. it, you know, it's great. To fill in the plot a little more, uh, basically, yeah, Jerry Lewis goes to Japan. Uh, while he's there to entertain, there's a young boy who uh, takes very kindly to him. It turns out that this young boy, much like Jerry Lewis himself, or you know Jerry's character in this, uh, does not have parents. And this boy is being brought up by his aunt. And Jerry has, you know, the aunt's not bad looking herself. But Jerry really is taken to this young boy. And uh, it's really this surrogate father-son relationship with lots of lost in translation humor uh outsider entertainment humor and him being kind of uh pushed around within the military a bit uh he gets sent (laughs) off to korea uh and it's the depiction of the uh korean war and this is so strange to me where it's just like single american soldiers uh trapped in foxholes uh, and like uh jerry being scared of being caught by the commies and being brainwashed and stuff like that yeah that i think is one of like because Tashlin, like, obviously having, like, a background in animation and whatnot, he can really go ridiculous and zany in this, even though it is, like, a little bit more measured and not, like, just, like, rapid fire, like, however many gags you can get off in a minute. When it does get, like, really zany and stupid like that, I think those are, like, some of the best parts there. Just, like, him yeah. just seeing him like emerge in the Korean War stuff with like the full outfit, but just sort of terrified <laughs> of gunfire happening overhead. 
it's great. There's a lot of very cartoonish gags, such as uh, the when he's about to board the plane the first time, and Jerry's rabbit uh, gets out of its little cage, <coughs> and he has like a breakup scene with the rabbit, where the rabbit hitches a ride on another car, <laughs> and you get like multiple shot, reverse shot exchanges of Jerry like longingly look at the car, then one shot even like mounted on the car with the back of the rabbit's head looking at it, and <laughs> there's a lot of shots like that where Tashlin will shoot from the POV of the rabbit, or just like shooting an exchange between the person and the rabbit in a very traditional shot, reverse shot that always makes it a lot funnier and even giving the rabbit a little ice pack for its head after it got hurt very cartoonishly cute and funny uh and for those who don't know when we're saying cartoons tashlin was of course a looney tunes director before moving on to feature films yeah you know it's funny i you know i haven't seen all of his movies but this is the first lewis movie i've seen where we get some animal fun some animal hijinks you know what i mean hey it's not a monkey but you know there's a lot of fun rabbit tricks you know him trying to find the rabbit and whatnot and you know just kind of thinking it over just you guys bringing up scenes like this even though there is kind of like the you know the crux of you know japanese boy and uh jerry or whatever it is like a very random film in a sense to where it's like i guess it's it's centered around its gags and like you know it'll just have a good 10 minutes dedicated to something like when the Japanese baseball player is mad at Jerry and you get, you know, a cartoonish chase sequence that ends in a, a tidal wave or, you know, something like that. Like, uh, yeah, it is like it, the structure of this kind of, it, it put me, it didn't put me through a loop, but it was just, it's kind of interesting how it's like, I guess it's like kind of gag, gag, gag. And then like the last 30 to 20 minutes, it's like yeah, focuses on the drama between Jerry and the, the boy. There's definitely uh, a lot of, stop and go with the drama i think it's it's hard for tashlin or anyone to balance uh even even if there's not like a bunch of subplots and stuff like that a a very straightforward dramatic plot with the comedic escapades as well cramming that into 97 minutes and still giving it time to i don't know have jerry extend scenes in the way that he does because sometimes some of the best jerry lewis moments are him drawing out a scene way longer than it has any right to exist and same with just an interaction with a person uh, (laughs) such as the bow off that he has with the little Japanese boy them just bowing back and forth to each other you know you get what the joke is it just kind of keeps going (laughs) and they do it multiple times (laughs) (laughs) or sometimes Jerry will extend like the the celebrity woman and her getting off the stairs you know Jerry trying to tell her about you know what actually happened last night with like the boat or whatever and yeah and it it like with her like getting or him getting tangled up in like her dress and then like her falling down and then like to cap it all off the funniest part you know he's rolling her up in the red carpet to yeah. you know shield her from the you know per- perverted uh photographers you know that love to see her fall <laughs> so it, it is it is just like yeah like like you said like uh it's they get better as they go along these gags the longer they are the the funnier it compounds and i really love when we get to japan and we see this studio backlot version of japan that obviously looks nothing like it but it looks like you know what hollywood at its peak makes as a fake japan and there's yeah. just all these great all this great neon signage and uh you know just the way that tashlin and the cinematographer and production designer uh make this visually come alive is really incredible even 
juxtaposed with the scenes that are so clearly just like in Westwood or whatever. Uh, you know, the USO base in Japan was just a, a humanities building at UCLA. <laughs> and, you know, you have the great Japanese garden and house and stuff, but uh, you take one step outside of the house, uh, such as when Jerry is trying to find this house where this boy and his aunt live. And uh, it, it's just like a random street in Burbank and like a guy on, on his lawn telling him where to go. And uh, th- there's a great subtitle gag there, too, where it's just a guy speaking Japanese subtitled in Japanese and Jerry's speaking English subtitled in English. Reminds me of uh, which way is east. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Long history of good subtitle gags uh, ends there, probably. <laughs> What's interesting about, like, yeah, those kind of garden and traditional Japanese house scenes, it is like, you're like, all right, like, does he do, like, the Ozu shot in one of them? Yeah. Or what? And I feel like maybe, like, he's halfway there to Well, the one Ozu of them. films, unfortunately, weren't, like, huge American, uh, even critical things no, until yeah. way after. Because, like, Timeline-wise, it would work out. It would be like, oh, yeah, he's watching the color Ozu movies. He's, yeah, you know, bringing it right. In. Unfortunately, that's not the case. True. <laughs> no. Yeah. I don't. I. I. I don't think. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to put it above. No, I get line. what you're saying. Yeah. Though, like, like with that same instinct to be yeah. there to just do that. You know. Exactly. Because yeah. Tashlin understands how to frame people. He's not going full low to the ground, but. For those uh, tatami shots, yeah, he's not like uncomfortably pointing the camera downward. Yeah, you, you know, he's shooting at a lower level than usual, and uh, it's all very symmetrically shot inside that house too. And uh, yeah, it's a it's a really interesting visual approach, uh, just full of gags, as we said. Uh, there, there's a baseball thing because the the hu- uh, husband to be of the aunt who takes care of the boy is a Japanese baseball superstar, and so there's a whole scene where the the Los Angeles Dodgers in their first year after being the Brooklyn Dodgers, a little welcome to L.A. gift, Jerry puts them in a Hollywood movie, uh, and they're playing like a scrimmage against a Japanese team, and uh, yeah, it's like pretty standard fare nothing out of the ordinary there but it's yeah. a fun little set piece you do get like an innings worth of baseball at yeah. that game you know you do see like six batters go up you know what i mean <laughs> so if you if you are a baseball fan you do get a good amount of baseball going on here and the the fact that it's so like uh i don't know it's so cartoonish and like just movie like hollywood backlot centric kind of like a uh, will success spoil rock hunter yeah. kind of feels that way too i feel like tashlin is just the cartoon sensibility mixed with just being in hollywood for so long before actually getting to be at the helm of huge live action pictures it, just that kind of insider humor is going to be there and so there's stuff like the bridge on the river Kwai homage where the father of that aunt is just like the same actor from that movie so he's just in his costume from that movie and they're building a bridge over the pool and that same song is being whistled and then like jerry's you know hung up on it clearly and it even cuts to an image from that movie uh, jerry's just like 
classic Jerry confusion. Uh, there's yeah. a couple times where he just does the thing where he kind of turns from one side to the other. It is just thinking something through. That's a great way for him to extend scenes is just thinking something through in his head and then just taking one or two steps one way, turning around yeah. and just repeating the process back and forth. Oh my God. For like when he does 30 that, seconds or longer. When the boy like takes the sandwich, when the boy is sneaking, cause there's like oh, yeah. a good segment, like the last like 30 minutes, there's so much like back and forth of yeah. Jerry and the boy just following each other <laughs> from the U- <laughs> Japan to U S and back. But like when he, the little boy takes the sandwich um, on the plane and then you just get a little bit of like Jerry like trying to figure out where the sandwich went like that shit is so funny <laughs> he's, he like burps at the end of it too and then he's kind of satisfied and you, I guess the thought process is I guess I ate something like uh, because the sandwiches that were brought for him disappear because the boy who is you know hidden himself on the plane has been you know stealing them away and just yeah jerry's thought process through thinking through uh the logic of the outside world finally catching up to his own logic kind of his own nonsensical logic just kind of accepts it but of course it takes forever for him to accept it because it's jerry lewis the back 30 minutes of this film as you said malcolm less gag centric uh other than little things like that because they're more focused on the drama there's this really like torturous breakup scene where Jerry has to return to the States and the kid just, you know, snuck out of the house and wants to go with him. And Jerry just has to turn it on, just has to be like, get out of here, kids. Yeah. I don't want you. <laughs> and it's so sad, uh, even like not knowing what's happening next. But of course, the boy hid himself onto the plane. Uh, and then Jerry returns the favor. Uh, and by the way, when it's that flight back to Japan after Jerry had, I guess, kidnapped the boy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, that flight back to Japan where the boy's by himself and the lady serves him a salad. It might be the grossest salad I've ever oh, okay. seen. And there's also a fly on it. I wanted to mention, you know, while you were talking about the sandwich before that the, in kind of like the beginning of the movie, like the carrot salads that oh, Jerry is oh, ordering. So like what gross. the what the fuck? What kind of fucking bullshit is? That? First <laughs> no of all, they're oil giving and vinegar, no, no dressing. They're giving him a full bowl of salad, and <laughs> and they're sticking like five whole carrots <laughs> in it. Like what the fuck is what the fuck is that bullshit? <laughs> that is one of the most appalling. Salads used to be even more disgusting. Like I think salads are pretty gross, but there has been some. There has just been leaps and bounds in salad technology over the last like 20, 30 years That's because true. they used to be the most disgusting looking food on earth. He was just straight up eating like, like thirteen whole vegetables in that <laughs> in, in that salad. And I, that, I also like that the gag that kind of comes from that with what's the major or whatever the military woman who has like her her delicious meal of like a steak and pie and like he just is like he's not like for some reason he feels like he can't ask for it so he's just like yeah because he's been ordering all these carrot salads uh to feed his rabbit carrots so now he's just like he knows that the stewardess thinks that he's a vegetarian yeah so for some reason he's just playing along with that uh throughout their flirtations which leads to yeah as you said it's it's just a torturous like three minute scene of him just watching her eat steak and just grabbing his salad with his hands just mashing his salad and just like can you describe your steak a little bit more it's just like it is like how do you like write something like that like that really does feel like 
that Jerry improv Apatow magic right there. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no, Jesus, no, fuck no. you. It's just, it's just like already built on such a flimsy and ridiculous premise that like a tiny rabbit would need like four salads <laughs> worth of like a huge amount of carrots. It's already like so fucking stupid. He just takes it to another level. I love when he's out on the town with the little boy, his last night with him. Uh, it's it's a really sweet scene, and they get a picture taken together. But the funniest beat is when they go. The he brings uh, Jerry to a geisha house, and he's just like, "Look, how old are you, kid? I, I, this isn't for you." And he's like, "No, they have food in there, you know." And they go in, and then it cuts to Jerry just like eating this huge platter of food, and then pans over to the little boy with like three little girl geishas. True. <laughs> so it, it was like a, I didn't kind of even. A I didn't know what to make of that scene. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't even really think like anything dirty about. It. I was just like, "What's going on in here? Like, what's going? On? Like, uh, you know, like interesting. Like, you know, the scenes with the boy, pretty much. Like, particularly like the breakup scene towards the end, but also kind of like the first scene where his aunt takes him to the hotel room he's staying at. Mm-hmm. And there's kind of a weird, um, not weird, I should say, but it shows jerry's like kind of like earnest side of acting you yeah. know what i mean and i i guess i've seen that before in other movies but i always do kind of uh, like appreciate like in like a lot of his gag centric movies they'll just be like a good five minutes of just pure earnest acting from, oh yeah through, you know from jerry lewis and like something like the errand boy which is purely Ooh, a yes. movie of gags just him in a studio backlot going crazy there's these two scenes where he's talking to a puppet yeah (laughs) and they're like this whole movie's worth of emotion crammed into two tiny little scenes where he's talking to a puppet you know he always forces it in there uh even something like the ladies man you know there's there's the really depressed woman living in the house who he gives the you know rousing talk to and there's just so and with the nutty professor it's really his own personal journey i guess (laughs) through that movie that's so emotionally harrowing and the despite how chaotic uh, his gags can be and the gag centric movies feeling like they have no emotional core sometimes there's always at least a scene of his sentimentality really laying it on thick in a way that kind of reminds me of like adam sandler movies yeah definitely. and just uh you know some people may say it doesn't earn it whatever that means uh but i always feel like that's a great kind of balance in his movies i think yeah i think it's like a almost like cinematic tradition in a yeah. sense like kind of like like uh of course Chaplin taught a lot of people and stuff and Chaplin was the master of kind of like the earnest with like kind of the goofs and whatnot mm-hmm. so yeah I always do appreciate the you know Jerry touching my heart you know he's not just telling stories he's changing lives yeah and this like the connection with the boy is like so feels so genuine and sincere I mean obviously a lot of it is like jerry's charisma but i think that it's just like i I don't know it's so simply told in such a beautiful way where it's just like oh they're both just like uh without parents and like they can't really speak the same language but there's just like this little bit of connection there that's what all it takes to make it uh i don't know make it really fun and earnest yeah um, man, I, I hadn't watched a Jerry Lewis movie in a little while, and I haven't really seen many of the movies he made before he started directing, so I definitely need to uh, fill those out, but we should just do one of the ones he directed on the podcast soon, because those are just the best movies ever made. Uh, Have you seen Artists and Models? 
Oh, that's, artists and models rules. Yeah, I have that. I've had that one downloaded for that a minute. You'll yeah. love that one. I'm sure I will. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry for the recommendation. I guess <laughs> I don't want to be pushy. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we will see you next week.